what do you need as an entrepreneur? Like what's essential for your toolbox? Yeah. I think we're getting to the point where there's so many creators and so many folks have been doing it so long and through several mm -hmm. cycles that folks are able to kind of like consolidate and synthesize best practices. Yeah. And there aren't the same kind of barriers to get that kind of information That's from fair. another peer. You, you know, so like mm -hmm. something as simple as like, um, what should my rate be? for mm. this gig fearlessness yeah. this That's, has to be brought to the forefront because there's a moment where i remind myself i cannot be the only person thinking this and experiencing yeah. it yeah yeah and i think the scariest place to be in is isolation yeah. Podcast. It's your hostess with the mostest, Maisha, and this is a place where we celebrate creatives, entrepreneurs, and people who are making a name in the creator economy, one post at a time. So in other words, we're rooting for everybody black. And today we have a special guest. This guest is someone new to me, but I'm so excited to interview her. But let me read a little bit about her before we get started. Autumn Brian is a multidisciplinary artist that uses a variety of media, installation, digital image making, collages, and performance. Brian inv investigates the visual vocabulary of liberation through a queer black feminist lens. A graduate of Stanford University, yes. She studied aeronautics and astronautics and researched aeronautical astrobiology applications for NASA. She's a whole scientist, guys. Let's welcome Autumn Brian. Hey, girl. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming. That was a lot of big words, but okay. I think I did well. You did great. That I did great. great. Thank you. So before we get started, I have one question to ask you. When did you know that black creativity was the culture? Oh, as long as I have been a part of, admired, and known culture, I've mm. known that black creativity is the culture. Yeah. We're the foundation and the building blocks for, yes. for so many things that are great and beautiful and that yes. other folks want to commodify. Ooh. So as long as there has been culture, black creativity has been what's created that culture. Yes. And we are the blueprint. We are the temperature. We are the game changers. Anything we touch, yeah. it can change. Yeah. And we can create that tone. So for you, where did you grow up? Let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and how was life growing up? Yeah, growing up? I grew up here in LA. Mm -hmm. So I'm a native, born and raised, the few, the proud. Okay. <laughs> uh, growing up was fantastic. I, I think LA is such a cool place to grow mm -hmm. up, especially to take in so much like creativity and history. Yes. So mm -hmm. I grew up going to lots of art museums oh, and I institutions and, and seeing uh, performance art, seeing live music. That, that was yes. a big part of how I grew up. Yes. And I think that really influenced mm -hmm. how I see the world, like the lens yeah. that I get to use to take in everything around me. I love me. that. You know what, for me too, it's the same thing. Cause I, I grew up, you know, I was in music um, and then I love going to museums. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the only girls like in my class that love going to museums. Oh. And you know, LA culture is so different from a lot of different places. So how has LA culture impacted the way you view art mm -hmm. and how do you interact with other people in different places around the world? Yeah, you, you know, I think what's unique about mm -hmm. Los Angeles is that, and this, is, this can be such an overused word, how diverse it is, but mm -hmm. not just culturally, 
Also, just like um, geographically, like the yes. fact that you can go from beach to mountains to woods in mm -hmm. a day, you, that's you know? A fact. Yeah, that's so special. Mm. And and like the the different types of like foods and people that live in so many neighborhoods that are really close to each other. Yeah. I I didn't just spend time in one part of mm -hmm. LA, yeah. and I'm so grateful that that was important yeah. for my mom. Same. Because I was able to like dabble around and see the different parts of this yeah. city and this county. So mm -hmm. I think that's influenced me so that when I make art or when I'm visiting a different place, mm -hmm. when I lived in different places, I always knew that you could find your community or communities. Yes. If you look hard enough. If you look hard enough. Yeah. I like that because there's so many different cultures within the LA area mm -hmm. and like, there's so many different foods. Mm -hmm. And that's such a luxury that we have. Yeah. That we can go anywhere. We can hear different music, mm -hmm. you know, different clothing. And it kind of just engulfed into the L.A. pot. Yeah. Just, all just come together as this big gumbo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just influenced everything that we do. So for you, what's really interesting is that you're a whole scientist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what was that journey like? And, and why was science that thing for you? Yeah, mm -hmm. I read A Wrinkle in Time when I was a oh. kid. My grandmother took me to the library all the time, and I yeah. remember one of the books that we checked out one time was mm -hmm. A Wrinkle in Time. Beautiful. I became obsessed with the whole series. Oh my God. And that's when I was like, oh my goodness, I have to be a scientist. Yeah. So science fiction mm -hmm. definitely influenced what I did in real yes. life. Uh, but yeah, after that, I, I knew that I wanted to, to do something where I got to to learn about how things work, mm -hmm. be able to like take those things apart, mm -hmm. put it back together. And that, that happened to be through science for like my first career. Yeah, yeah. But then w when you're trained as an engineer, when you're trained to use the scientific method, mm -hmm. you can use that for anything. Mm. So it's like my first medium happened yeah. to be through engineering, but yeah. now I just use that same kind of framework for art making. Mm. That's amazing. Give us a breakdown, the scientific method. Yeah, yeah, so the fact that you start with a hypothesis, mm -hmm. so the fact that you just start with like your best guess mm -hmm. and then try to prove that and make modifications as you need to. Yes, that applies to entrepreneurship, that applies to it. art. So like if I'm trying to figure out the best way to communicate an idea for mm -hmm. a performance or yeah. if I'm working on a sculpture and I got to find the right material to mm -hmm. use. It always starts with some kind of hypothesis yeah. and then you're testing and testing until you get what you need. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I went through a whole phase of taking things apart too when mm -hmm. I was a kid. I don't know why I didn't become a scientist, but I, I got into tech a little later, but um, it's such a great feeling for kids to be creative. Absolutely. And to be able to take something and see how it works and say, you know, I can make this too. Mm -hmm. So how important it is for young black and brown kids growing up to have kind of that that understanding that you can do everything yeah. you can do if you just apply. Exactly. And just make a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we were talking about. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So how is that for you? How do you think um, that should show up for the youth now? Oh, I think youth like that, that part mm -hmm. of being a human being, that's the time when you should like try as many things as possible and like fail early, yeah. you know? So, so you get it out of the way mm -hmm. and also so that you know you'll that's be okay if you mess up, if you don't do it perfectly. That's a fact. I, I think that's what, what childhood, what being mm -hmm. young, that's what a big part of your life should be, I think. Yeah. Just experimenting. 
Exactly. I agree. I feel like I ain't going to go too deep, but the school district, the school curriculum and how school is set up now is yeah. not the best place to be creative. Yeah. And I think there should be more programs for kids to be able to do that. But unfortunately, you know, most of the time in the inner city, those budgets are not there. Yeah. So we have to, you know, do our work to kind of make that a thing for our own people and make a decision. Absolutely. And, and the village that I grew up with, like the, the my family, my extended family, mm. the folks that, that raised me, yeah, they did such a great job of making sure that I had that kind of like safety mm -hmm. net, but also so that I could experiment, you, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. So like... I did dance classes. I was a Girl Scout. I, I did all the science mm -hmm. fairs and the math that's Olympics. Beautiful. But that's where I just got to like dabble in these yeah, different yeah, yeah. pots and experiment. I love and that. I think that's that's so important to to make an environment that's like conducive for creativity. Mm -hmm. Because as humans, we're we're all born creative. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no such thing as a creative person or not Come a creative on. person. We're, we're all creative. Yes. You just need places to be able to, to demonstrate that creativity early on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I have a friend that says she's not creative. I'm like, girl, yes, you are. You are very creative. Yeah. So for you, when it comes to art, like how did you get into art? Mm. Is it always a part of your path? You know, I didn't realize that it was always a part of my path, but mm. it was. Mm. I just didn't always name it art. <laughs> Does okay. that make sense? That makes sense. So I, I always found some kind of creative outlet with whatever I was working on, mm -hmm. e even before yeah. I, I knew that I was an artist. Mm -hmm. But I started collecting art and going to a lot of art fairs yeah. and biennials and visiting galleries, especially when I was living in South Africa. Wow. It was so important for me. And there, there was a point in my life where I just wanted to figure out, okay, what are my, my absolute like must haves? Yeah. And like, what are my nice to haves? Like mm -hmm. I literally did that exercise where I was writing it in my journal. Yeah. And something that was essential for me was being surrounded by beautiful things. Love that. So I just had to pursue whatever it took for that mm. to be a part of how I live my life every yeah. day. But I, I was really intentional about learning about the ecosystem mm -hmm. of art, mm -hmm. doing that through visiting these different places, engaging with different curators, artists, gallerists, mm. just understanding how that ecosystem yeah. works. And then I started my own studio practice when mm. I came back to LA and my studio's in Inglewood. We love it. Mm. Okay, where is it in Inglewood? It's on La Brea. Okay. And it actually has a working nail and hair salon inside oh the God. studio, in addition to other <laughs> artists that work there. So it says Salon 1120. Mm -hmm. We kept the name Salon 1120. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to come visit. Yes, sure. come by. So what was, the, what was the journey in South Africa? How long did you stay there? Yeah, I was there for a year and a half. Wow. Yeah, really, really special place to be. I, I think it's so special because I appreciated Los Angeles more mm -hmm. when I was in South Africa because it reminded me, Joburg specifically reminded me so much of L.A. Really? That's what made me miss Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I thought I would never live in L.A. again as an adult. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I'll live here, you know, grow up here and everything, go to school someplace else, and then, yeah. like, you know, visit family whenever I do. Yeah. But that's when I miss Los Angeles. Wow. So how is life there? Colorful, um, very, very um, like metropolitan, always on the go. Mm -hmm. I made great friends there. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed the food. I love being able to travel to different parts of the country and different parts mm -hmm. of the continent. I love that. Yeah. 
So let's talk about art a little bit because mm-hmm. there's so many different styles of art. Um, let's talk about your style of art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is that for you? So I, I work with sculpture, mm-hmm. uh, performance, installation. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that all of the objects that I make mm-hmm. are meant to be relics from a planet called Planet Esoterica. And okay. all of the performances are rituals and mm-hmm. ceremonies that come from this planet. Mm-hmm. A lot of influence from sci-fi still comes up in my work. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Esoterica is meant to be where ancestors go instead of dying. Mm. They just transition and go to this other planet. Yeah. Um, it's a place that's full of color. Uh, it's a matriarchy. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, Esoterico will send messages yeah. to planet Earth with everything that we need mm-hmm. to finish our journey on this planet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that comes in the form of, of a sculpture. There's a sculpture I made that's called Protective Style, and it's wow. a giant hair grease jar. Okay. And it's pink and black, like Luster's pink mm-hmm. oil. Mm-hmm. The inside has velvet, and when you see the ingredients on the back of the jar, oh it has your grandmother's prayers, your ancestors' oh will, God. the sound of barrettes click clacking, sunsets. Those are like meant to be the ingredients in like this, this metaphysical jar. And the idea is that when you use this grease for your protective style, it's not just like braids or cornrows, but that's actually what's been protecting us oh while we God. have to walk on this planet. Oh my God, that is so amazing. Thank you. <laughs> never thought of that that is so dope yeah i feel like our ancestors talk to us all the time absolutely i know they do respect you come here come here yes you have you been struggling to stay consistent with your content We've all been there. You told yourself you was gonna post about a year ago, but you have yet to post today. But don't worry, I got you covered. Introducing the Ultimate Content Calendar Blueprint. It is a guide that will show you how to stay consistent with your content for the next 30 days and beyond. It's filled with tips, tools, and ideas to help you take your content to the next level. And guess what? It's completely free. So don't wait because it's gonna go out fast. So make sure you download the Content Calendar Blueprint today with me going through some stuff and you get this like thought in your head and it's like okay baby you're gonna be all right yeah yeah <laughs> I really feel like they talk to us absolutely and everything we do and it shows up in our everyday lives mm-hmm. oh my god okay mm-hmm. so esoterica is just meant to be a reminder yeah. of what we already innately know mm-hmm. about how we're protected and how yeah. folks that might not be like in the physical realm with us how they still communicate with us and make yeah. sure that we have the strength that we need. It's just a reminder yeah. of what we already know. And when you got into art, was it difficult transitioning from science to art? I, I don't think it was difficult because I was so intentional about learning and, mm-hmm. and just making it really evident and clear that, that my intention was to learn first. Yeah. And I still consider myself a student. You, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm learning all the time. And, and that's a part of what it means to be an entrepreneur as well, you know? Like you're always just observing all that you can, making the best like decision that you can, making as informed as a decision as Mm -hmm. you can, but you're consistently learning if you're doing it right. Oh yeah. Oh, it's an everyday journey. Mm -hmm. It's a roller coaster, I tell people all the time. It is. It really is. (laughs) Like we'll get into that in a minute, but I really wanna ask, you know, 
what is your thoughts on the reimagination of black contemporary art? Mm. Mm. I think this is a really exciting time for contemporary art, especially mm. for black contemporary art. Yeah. We, we were talking about how, how everything that black folks touch is going to be inevitably mm -hmm. something that that shifts yeah. paradigms and shifts cultures mm -hmm. just because our existence is so significant. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we are still standing above ground, like that miracle. Absolutely. Inevitably what we make will be significant. Yes. So I think it's a really exciting time for contemporary art and it's exciting mm -hmm. to see what black folks are making, what black folks are curating. Um, the, the histories that folks are telling yeah. through work, and also how folks are reimagining contemporary art as a system. Mm -hmm. I think that's really special. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I look at art, and you know, when you look out into the art world, I don't see us all the time. And I'm, I question what is going on. Like, I don't understand some of the stuff that other people are making, and I'm trying to comprehend it. I'm like, okay, what is this? Yeah. Now, where are the people that look like me? Yeah. You know, is there a whole community around? Yeah, that? absolutely. Okay. We're here. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about that community. Are you in tune with that community? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That community is so important for yeah. me with, with how I make art. I mean, even down to like, I, I just love having people around me, like in the studio too. Mm -hmm. That's why I love the kind of studio that I get to work from yeah. because I'm really inspired by what other folks are doing and how other folks are interpreting yeah. um, but some of the ways that that I make community with other young black artists uh, a fellowship that I just finished with the Crenshaw Dairy Mart was Amazing. a fellowship for abolition and the advancement of the creative economy mm. yeah okay isn't that so <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Talk about us, elaborate. So there's a cohort of artists. All of us are from LA, mm -hmm. three black artists. Okay. And we got to work with each other, make art with each oh other God. for this year long fellowship. Mm -hmm. And work with like incredible um, visiting artists and lecturers that would come it's during amazing. the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Things like that are where I mm -hmm. get to build community with other black artists that are doing really incredible work in different mediums too sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that that kind of like networking and like reaching across and learning yeah. from your contemporaries, yeah. that's so important, especially for art. Because if we're consistently learning, you also have to have the folks around you that are learning too. Absolutely. We, we can't work in a vacuum. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. It's a learning experience. I feel like, you know, if we look at the landscape of art, when we see people that are are looking that looks like us and we look at their work and we try to get a stronger understanding of what you're performing like your performances i watched your performances okay and i was like <laughs> oh my god this is so dope and i understood it and i and i love music so it made sense to me yeah so let's talk about your performances um and how did those ideas come about oh worth the wait yeah so there's this always some kind of element of call and response mm -hmm. in the art that I make and especially in the performances. Yeah. I, I don't imagine any kind of barrier between me as the performer and the audience. Like yeah. we all gonna participate and make this together. And that's how it's gonna go. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, that's important for mm -hmm. me. So Worth the Wait was a performance where I have this hotline. It's called the Esoterica Hotline. Mm -hmm. And 323 area code. It's an LA number. Okay. Even though it's Planet Esoterica. Mm -hmm. 
um, I, I put out these different prompts and, and like calls to action and I invite mm. folks to text or to call and leave a voicemail with the hotline. And for worth the wait, I asked black women, what's a stereotype that you never asked for? Mm. And if you could just deposit it, get rid of it, like I'll take it. So people would leave me these voicemails and, and there's so much intimacy in a voicemail, yeah. I think. It, yeah. It's like it's like a confession, but it's also like you're talking to somebody. Like sometimes I've noticed when I listen to the voicemails, mm -hmm. I catch myself wanting to talk back sometimes, Yeah, yeah. you, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's like the call and response part. I so that. I collected all of these stereotypes and I put them on these gold bricks that I made and I destroy each one with a sledgehammer. Mm. And then I use the bits that are left over to exfoliate. Yeah. And then Ooh. I like purify myself in whatever body of water is near where I do the performance. So when I did it in Ghirardelli Square mm -hmm. in San Francisco, that was a really, really special performance, that yeah. version of Worth the Wait. Ruth Asawa is this artist that I absolutely love. Her fountain mm -hmm. is in the middle of Ghirardelli Square. That's amazing. So I was able to go into the fountain and then I like clean myself with like all of the yeah. bits of like the rock that are left on me at the end of the performance. That is so amazing. Like as a black woman, how is your journey in finding who you are? Oh, that's perpetual. Mm. I'm always finding myself. I, I'm finding the different parts of myself yeah. and the different parts of me that grow and change. Yeah. I was raised by black women, so yeah. I knew from a very early age all the multitudes that we contain. I was able to see that in my grandmother and my mom and my aunts mm. and my great-grandmother. So yeah. I think that's just like, like just being a perpetual student. I'm also a perpetual student in getting to know myself. Yeah. And you show and you show that through your art. Yeah, that's the goal. That's absolutely that. the goal. And I always start with black women because mm -hmm. the Combahee River Collective, mm -hmm. their manifesto, Combahee River was one of the largest raids that mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman ever led when she freed some of the most slaves ever. Wow. Because in addition to all the work that she did, she was a spy for the US military. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this group of women came together uh, over a hundred years later and created the Combahee River Collective. Mm -hmm. And that was this collective of artists, organizers, writers, poets that were all black women. Yeah. And in their statement, they said, in a world in which black women are free, inevitably mm -hmm. everyone else will benefit and be free as well because the systems that would have to be dismantled would free everybody. Absolutely. When I read those words, you know those moments like when you read something and you hear something and you're like, this is the vocabulary mm -hmm. for what I already knew to be true. Absolutely. That, that really stuck with me and, and it's such a guiding light mm -hmm. for the work that I create. And that's why I start with centering black women because if, if I'm imagining worlds and building frameworks in which we're free, everybody else is gonna benefit. Mm -hmm. So when I can ask I them, yo, what stereotypes do we not need anymore? Mm -hmm. Or another question I asked once was, um, what would you do with eight months of paid time? Mm -hmm. That was what I started off with for this performance mm -hmm. and, and a whole body of work. And, and that's because of pay inequity, we're paid about 63 cents on the dollar yes. on average. So when you translate that into time, mm -hmm. that means that we would have to work an extra eight months into this year to earn what a white colleague did last year. Woo! That's a long time. That's a long time. So I immediately asked myself, damn, what would I do if and when I have this time back? Yeah. What would I do with that time? 
And then when you think about a lifetime, all those years of pay inequity, like what could we have done with the time? So I asked other black women the same thing. They were leaving their voicemails and sending the text messages. I wore all of their responses in my hair. Yeah. And there's a whole procession. I'm carried by four white men. Mm -hmm. My band is leading in front of me, the Black Fist Brass Band, yes. incredible eight-piece brass band. And then when I was set down, I invited people to come up and take a note from my hair, but they had to read another black woman's words. Yeah. So that then I so did self-portraits acting out what these black women said they would do with their time. Mm -hmm. And I minted them using blockchain. I didn't know much about blockchain technology, but oh I knew there was God. a permanent ledger. Mm -hmm. So I did these self-portraits based on what people said they would do with their time. And I write every woman that inspired the self-portrait yeah. and is a co-creator. So then as the work sells and continues to sell even after I'm not on this planet anymore, absolutely, she'll continue. Yeah. to get some of the, the royalties from that it. so cool. So it's a direct action against pay inequity. I love that. Okay, we need more of that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, we gotta think outside of the box, because that's amazing. Thank you. Oh, wow. And you know, I mean, I went through corporate America myself. Mm -hmm. It was a journey. Pay was not there. Yeah. And they expect you to do everything. Right, and get and half the more. pay. Double the work half, and half the pay. Half the pay. But you know, it's, it's really hard for black women sometimes to speak up and to have a voice. So when you're listening to those voicemails, what was something that really stuck out to you from one of those women? Hmm. I think the fact that so many women said they would rest. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I would finally take that vacation oh, wow. or I would just sleep mm -hmm. or I'd get a full eight hours of sleep because I haven't in so long. Wow. Yeah, that that really, um, it was such a reminder that mm. the rest that we need, that's not a luxury. Yeah. Like, that's something that's essential. Yeah, it is. And that shouldn't be something that we have to call in and say we would do if we had more time. Mm. Yeah, a lot of women carry the weight on their shoulders. Yeah. Carry our families, our partners, mm -hmm. our children. And it shows up in every part of our lives. And, you know, I've had these conversations with friends, too. And, you know, they're tired. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people are going through the entrepreneur journey. You did mention about entrepreneurship a bit earlier. So for you, how has entrepreneurship been for you? Has it been an up and down roller coaster as well? Absolutely. Like, what is that journey? Look Never like a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just want to sit still and let it coast a little bit. <laughs> Right, same. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I grew up uh, seeing entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is an entrepreneur and a small business owner. Amazing. My grandparents owned a grocery store. Wow. So I always knew that somehow I was going to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what it would be. Mm -hmm. But I think that's so great for kids to see growing up. It, yes. it teaches you so much about work ethic creativity, yes. uh, even math, like yes. how you communicate with folks. I think it really started, I probably felt comfortable as an entrepreneur when I was a Girl Scout, selling Girl Scout cookies. I love that. Yeah, I was hustling, like pushing cookies in front of the grocery store, mm -hmm. like at school, at church. I, but I got so confident mm -hmm. and felt like I could talk to anybody. Yes. I was able to communicate with people. I, I think that that was so special to have growing up. Mm -hmm. And so much of what I learned, I still use now. Yeah, same. 
Like, has it been any difficult moments where you were like, I don't know if this is for me? Yeah. How yeah. How did you navigate through that? Huh. When there are moments when I've questioned, like, am I on the right track? I, well, I mean, honestly, when I decided, mm -hmm. hey, I want to focus on my art full time. I think that, you know, what I thought I was going to do, that, that may not be my path. Mm -hmm. That scared the bejesus out of me because <laughs> right. it, it wasn't according to the plan that I was supposed to stick mm -hmm. to. But I always go to my mom, honestly, okay, and like mom. the folks that I love and that are around, like my village, the people that still support me. That's who I go to when, when I question myself, when I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm on the right track. And I asked my mom, you know, should I do this? Like, do yeah. you think this is crazy? And she said, well, does it scare you? Mm. And I said, absolutely. She said, okay, well, if you feel fear, that means you have to face it. You must do it. Ooh, I love that. And she was like, you have a backup. Like, mm -hmm. you know what you'll do if it doesn't work out, but you right. have to at least try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the same. My mom support my journey because my journey has been up and down, y'all. It has been a roller coaster. But, <laughs> you know, for to be in the art space, like, what are some essential skills that people need to have are just – are they just free to just do? Uh, I think the fantasy is that as creatives and artists, we're free to, to just right. do and just be. Right. But no, uh, you know, you, you got to have your toolbox. Come on now. You got to have Let's your toolbox. Huh? What's important? What, what was the question again? What? So what is the important? Some skill sets yeah. or things that they need to go into the art space yeah. and do well. Yeah. Uh, we'll start by knowing your why. Mm-hmm. What are you showing up for? Why is it important to you? And make sure that whatever that intention is, is what you use for your decision making. Yeah. I, I think start there. But so some of the other things that you need to know, like pay your taxes. Come on. You know, like keep your books in order. Mm -hmm. um, when you can and if you can have a team around you. Absolutely. That's worth it. Like when you get to the point when you can like free yourself up from some of the things mm. that that are taping taking up time and you have to do them yeah but it may not bring you joy you know that it's not your forte or whatever find someone who's really good at it mm -hmm. and that could be something as small as um like somebody that builds out your website yeah you know like instead of trying to find like the workaround or whatever to do it yourself if there's an expert that can do it well yeah. prioritize that Absolutely. I would say that for as many aspects of your business as possible. Like, just make sure you find the folks that know how to do it well. Oh, that's great. That's great. So as far as having a team, like, how do you develop the right team mm -hmm. to work with? Yeah. You know, when I work with folks and I see something or I know that they have, like, a really special talent, yeah. and that could be, um, like, my band, for example. Mm -hmm. When you, when you identify that somebody has a very specific talent, they're good at it and they enjoy doing it, yeah. and you work well with them, yeah. I just keep it going as long as I can. Um, the photographer and videographer, for example, yeah. that documents all of my performances. Mm. I've worked with them for every single performance. Mm. And, and it's just because it, it gets to a point where it's not just like the talent that they yeah. have, but also when you get to a point where there's like a language that yeah. you have with somebody that's on your team because it saves you so much time you know it, it's not just a matter of of how well the the collaborator does their job mm -hmm. but also just the efficiency of mm -hmm. you being able to rely on them and know that you can execute whatever needs to get yeah. done when you find that stick with it and also foster it yeah have you had any negative experiences with absolutely <laughs> absolutely how'd you navigate through that huh honestly going back to the why 
mm-hmm. what, what we talked about. Yeah. Like when, when you know what your intention is mm-hmm. and what your non-negotiables are, yeah. you just use that as your rubric for decision making. Yeah. So that might mean that the decision is, hey, you know, it, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for us to continue with this working relationship the way it is. That's just the way it goes. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, you know, just looking at what you do, like, how do you monetize in the art space? Because I know that people, you you create, but you want to make a living as well. Yeah. So how do you monetize in that space? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when artists are invited to perform mm-hmm. at institutions, at galleries, that comes with an artist fee, with, with a contract. Yeah. Um, also through, through selling work, through, through exhibitions, uh, through shows Yeah, that that's where work is sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is, is it a very lucrative place? It can be, mm-hmm. it can be if you do it right. And if you're smart about it. I love that. And how do you use social media as a medium to kind of continue pushing out your work? Mm-hmm. Like how do you use social media? So that call and response element, mm-hmm. that's always a part of my work. Yeah. Social media is one of the outlets that I use to collect responses for folks that are a part of performances or like objects that I make or something Mm -hmm. like that. So we'll usually do uh, like like in person kind of like posting and ads and things for people for well, for example, like see the hotline on like a poster that might be at Sip and Sonder. Mm. They've had some of my posters up sometimes before. They're fantastic collaborators. I love the work that they do, too. too. Um, So in addition to the hotline. Um, and posters that people see, people can interact with the work online and like share their That's responses. So cool. Yeah, we, the, the point is just to make it as easy as possible for the audience mm-hmm. to engage in the call and response yeah. part of the and work. And it's a community, because mm-hmm. you have like a really strong community online. I was, I was looking through your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I like this. Like the images are great. Thank you. There's an acting component to yeah. it. <laughs> I love that. And I've seen that you had a care machine. Yeah. And it's pink. Yes. <laughs> it's very pink. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. The care machine. The care machine is also meant to be from Planet Esoterica. Okay. Uh, I asked black women if you could be reminded of care mm. through objects and have whatever you need whenever you want it, mm-hmm. what, what would you want to have? Mm. So those were things like, um, like candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lip gloss, edge control, edge brushes, mm-hmm. tampons, pads, condoms, mm-hmm. abortion pills, books, all sorts of things. Crazy. Collected those responses. Uh, I retrofitted a vending machine, mm-hmm. uh, made it pink, it glows, and I programmed everything to be free. Oh my God. Yeah. So the care machine pops up in different places mm-hmm. and folks can take what they need. The rule, the only rule is um, take what you need. And if you don't need anything, just take in the beauty. Oh, my God. Okay, where have you taken this machine? It's been in Washington, D.C., on the National Mall. It started in Inglewood Mm -hmm. at the Crenshaw Dairy Mart. And it was in Miami for Scope Art Fair. Amazing. Oh, not Scope, not Scope. It was at Prism Art Fair during Art Basel in Miami, so in December. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Is it going to come out again? Is it going to make an appearance this year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely need to come and take some Yes. <laughs> yes. Come I to the care that. machine. I love that. And I would love to connect you with some amazing women that I know are doing amazing work. Yes, please. All the time. Yes, please. Um, how do you see the creator economy evolving? Oh. 
I think that we have gotten to a point where folks are sharing best practices with each other mm-hmm. frequently and yes. their channels for folks to be able to do so. Yes. So so like what we were talking about, like mm-hmm. what do you need as an entrepreneur? Like what's essential for your toolbox? Yeah. I think we're getting to the point where there's so many creators and so many folks have been doing it so long and through several mm-hmm. cycles that folks are able to kind of like consolidate and synthesize best practices. Yeah. And there aren't the same kind of barriers to get that kind of information That's from fair. another peer, you, you know? So like mm-hmm. something as simple as like, um, what should my rate be for mm-hmm. this gig? Yeah. That's easier to talk about and do research for from other folks that are like working in the same kind of industry. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I also think that the the tools that, that folks are able to use just from like the internet being so ubiquitous mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. access to like Wi-Fi and things like that. Yes. That eliminates a lot of barriers that people have had within the creator yes. economy before. You, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the fact that you can get like a Canva account or, or that you can have like a, a POS that's attached to your phone so somebody can just like, you know, swipe or scan a QR code yeah. to pay for something. That wasn't a reality 15 years ago. Oh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, things have become more convenient for us over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. or so. Um, And for me, I feel like tech is really going to be at the forefront of everything that we do. And, you know, black and brown people need to get into that space. Yeah. And how do you see that showing up over the next couple of years? Because you you mentioned, you know, um, they have like the Bitcoins, they have cryptocurrency, they have... Um, you know, different ways that you can sell your art mm-hmm. online. AI mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Yeah. And that's getting into the art space. Oh, too. absolutely. So how do you see that kind of changing the scope of things? Like just yeah. this technology. I think technology is just going to be another essential tool. Mm-hmm. It, it already is, but I think like even more so in like kind of like the um, – like the sub threads from technology, mm-hmm. those are going to be essential within all of our toolboxes even more than they are now. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I feel like it's a way to help build that generational wealth that we talk about so much and really see the benefits of that, the fruits of our labor. Because we've been doing a lot of stuff just free forever. Mm-hmm. And everyone takes a bit of that and they're monetizing mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and we're putting things out into the world. And even with social media now, we're able to create generational wealth. There's, you know, amazing people making millions of dollars from social media. Yeah. So have you monetized from social media as well? I have. I have with some of the collaborations that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it because it's such an important part of my practice, yeah. it's something that I just factor in as like, essential for the steps that I'm going to take for for any kind of project or any Mm -hmm. kind of piece that I start on. Like, I know that I'm using that as one of my tools. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And like, even with the the work that you've done, campaign work, Mm -hmm. do you partner with brands and people who kind of align with your mission? Like, how is how important is that for you? That's the most important. That's the priority. Yeah. Like, a- again, that that's where the conversation has to start. Yeah. Like, but before we even start to understand, like, what we can do with each other, there yeah. has to be alignment in mm-hmm. what we're making or else it won't be authentic. 
You know, like if the missions and values don't align, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. on, on either side, really. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. not even just for me, like because mm-hmm. if I'm working with someone, I want to make sure that both parties can walk away satisfied. Mm-hmm. And if there is an alignment, you know, it, it just doesn't make that much sense for me. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you have a lot of courage um, being artists and speaking about things that most people may not even address or we talk amongst ourselves in our living rooms? Mm-hmm. 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 Making the private public. Yes. Yeah. I guess it is courage. I, I had never, na- I don't name it that yeah. on my own mm-hmm. because it feels, it just feels like something that I have to do, something that I have to yeah. talk about. You know, those ideas that, that mm-hmm. just keep you up at night or you can't stop talking about it. Yeah. If I feel that way about something, that's when I know I need to make something around yeah. it. it. It's just kind of like, like completing the life cycle of whatever that thought is, yeah, whatever that concept is. Mm-hmm. So I, I never named yeah. it as courage. It just feels like something that, that I have to do. Mm. I love that. And for you, you know, what's next? Well, the care machine is traveling. Come on, care machine. I'm really excited about the care machine traveling this year. Too. Yes, you have to come by. Come <laughs> by the studio or come oh, by I the next to, time the care sure. machine pops up so you okay. can take whatever essentials that you need. Will do. One of my my favorite, I, I guess it was a piece of feedback, but um, someone used the care machine mm-hmm. and they got some gummy bears. And then she came to me afterwards and she said, thank you so much. I just started my period and I love having gummy bears and I'm on my period. So like providing those types of like essentials with the reminder that, hey, all of this should be free and it Mm -hmm. should be easy Mm -hmm. to access. It should be just as easy to figure out how to get abortion pills by mail Mm -hmm. as it is to go to the beauty supply and get some edge control when you need it. Come on. Those should be just as simple. Everybody should have access to pads and tampons and diva cups and whatever they need. So it might feel like a big deal, but it shouldn't. Right. That's the big idea. And you know, I feel like there's a lot of policing women bodies. Yes. So they love to. That. Let's get into that. And what is your <laughs> views on that? I, I don't like any kind of police. So especially if it's my body being policed. <laughs> right. I feel like it's just as women, you know, the decision makers for medication, mm-hmm. they don't look like us. No, they aren't women. <laughs> they aren't women. <laughs> and they don't understand our bodies and they don't understand what we go through as women. Birth alone is life or death. Literally, especially for us. Yes. And it can be a death women, sentence. Oh, come on, health equity. Yeah. For black women. I'm working on a project now Mm. with the organization. I'm not going to name the organization. But we're working on talking about health equity for black women and other women of color. We need to talk about that, please. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. I'm looking. And when I have these conversations with these organizations, the people on the board don't look like us. Yeah. They don't understand the language. They don't know how to talk to us. And as black women, we go into these institutions and we're looking for assistance Health-wise, we are left dead in the water, and we need Literally. more women, especially black women, in our corners and rooting for us and defending us yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So have you had you know, those conversations, those tough conversations about that? I, I think those are the kind of conversations mm-hmm. that I have like, like within my living room yeah. or you know, with like my mom or family members or friends mm-hmm. and the types of conversations where I just feel like, 
whether it's courage, whether it's fearlessness, this has to be brought to the forefront because there's a moment where I remind myself, I cannot be the only person thinking this and experiencing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the scariest place to be in is isolation. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. Because that's when you aren't making logical mm. decisions, yeah. you know, or, or, or informed decisions. And, and that's why, like the and it, the virtual community, the community that that gets to show up and take up space when when there's an opening for an exhibition that I'm working yeah. on or or a performance that I do. Yeah, it's like how do we harness this energy when when we are all of the same accord, right? Like, what can we do with that energy that we're conjuring yeah. so that we can live longer, happier, yeah. healthier lives? Yeah, like a covenant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, even for my health journey, I, I've spoke about this before. I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, mm -hmm. and it's hormonal. Mm -hmm. I literally had to diagnose myself. <sighs> I went to the doctor, had all these tests. They don't know what's wrong with uh -huh. you. I've went to specialists, and I did it for years. And I started, I said, you know what? Let me research myself and start asking questions and found out I have PCOS. Found a whole group of women on Facebook who have the same thing, wow. and they started telling me, oh, no, you need to take this blood test. Of course. We need those communities mm -hmm. and how important it is. And I love through art, we can showcase that as well yeah. and speak truth to power. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm so glad that you found the community that you needed, mm -hmm. the care that you needed, mm -hmm. but it should not have required that level of self-advocacy yeah. because everybody doesn't do that. They don't. You know, like how many of us have gone to a doctor's appointment? Mm -hmm. You're nervous to be there. Yeah. If you can even like have the time to show up. Oh yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Find a doctor, whether you use Zocdoc or whatever, that like takes your insurance. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Once you're there, when you're like under fluorescent lights, probably like sitting in like a gown, you can feel really lonely. Yeah. And how are you gonna remember to ask all the questions that you should ask? Advocate when you need to. You, you yeah. know, there 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 are just so many barriers that shouldn't exist. Yeah. I agree. And I feel like we have those barriers in so many different parts of our lives. Look, you talked about pay equity. Yeah. Black women are not getting paid that much. Then we look at the scope of if you're in corporate America and you speak up and retaliation. Their consequences. Exactly. I've experienced that big time. Of course. Um, that's why entrepreneurship was always for me. I just can't. I that can't was the it. root for you. That was, I knew it very young. Um, and I want to segue, I want to ask you about that too. Have art always been, well, entrepreneurship always been a part of your journey? Was that something that you always wanted? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Why? Hmm. I think because I saw so many entrepreneurs when mm -hmm. I was growing up. Yeah. It just felt, I, I, I saw what the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. of that kind of lifestyle, what it looked like, what it felt like. Yeah. And I felt really at home there. So I just knew, hey, at some point in my life, this is going to be my reality. Yeah. Again, I didn't know necessarily like what the specifics would be, how I was going to do it or what yeah. my business would be. But I knew that somehow that's where I was going to end up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same for me. I knew that I was going to be a businesswoman yeah. very young. Because yeah. you know that word didn't show up until later on. Entrepreneurship was not a word yet. Yeah, uh-uh. So uh -uh. it was a businesswoman. Small business owner, right. businesswoman. Yeah. yeah. And then I figured it out, you know, as I, you know, got older. But, you know, a lot of women navigating corporate America, navigating, you know, trying to figure out 
how can I root for myself? How can I do the things I love and live a balanced life? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. entrepreneurship has been that for a lot of women, especially mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And and also, again, as long as we've been here, we have been fine. We didn't always call it entrepreneurship, mm. but black women have been doing this. This is correct. Out of <laughs> a lot of it, out of necessity. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like even during the pandemic, um, you know, entrepreneurship have skyrocketed, but also mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Like how have you went through that journey of kind of just making sure you're okay doing self checks? So I have to. Yeah. I have to. It's as important as my physical health. Mm -hmm. Like it's a part of how I I show up as a full person. Yeah. And especially as entrepreneurs, as artists, like my my body is my medium yeah. for a lot of my work. Yeah. So if I have like a knee that's bothering me, right? Mm -hmm. I I can't show up the yeah. way that I need to. I can't fully execute what I'm supposed to be working on. That's correct. It's the same way if I don't feel whole spiritually or emotionally. So I, I assign the same importance, importance so to good. all of those. And, and all of us have to. As human mm -hmm. beings, that's important. But I think that my line of work has prioritized it even more so mm -hmm. for me because I know what the impact will be yeah. if I don't prioritize my wellness. Do you feel that that provides balance? I'm always seeking balance. Mm. I don't always do a great job of it, but mm -hmm. that's what I'm always seeking perpetually. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's so great. <laughs> you're awesome. I think you're extremely talented. Thank you. And I think, you know, there's so much more that's in store for you. I think this is just the beginning for you. And I feel like you can connect with a lot of amazing people, especially women. I can see that. Um, and I definitely want to connect with you outside of here. So what is some advice you would give young people who want to take the journey into art as an entrepreneur, as a medium to create? Mm. Ask as many questions as you can and find places mm. where you can learn mm. and where you can experiment. Do that yeah. early. Do it frequently. Yeah. And find your tribe. Find your tribe. Find your village of people. Mm. That's so important because you aren't going to do it alone. Okay, another question. How do you find your drive? Oh, uh, you just got to get out and take up space. Take up space? Yeah, unapologetically. Mm. And, and, you know, that's just like, like if an exhibition that, that you've like read about, heard mm. about, seems interesting and you think that you might know, not know anybody there or you don't yeah. know the artist, still show up. Because mm -hmm. there's something that you can learn any place that you show up. Just figure out what yeah. that is when you go somewhere. I, I think that's a part of taking up space. Mm -hmm. It's finding the place where you can learn so that you can receive that. Mm. Taking up space. Take up space, you guys. <laughs> so where can everyone find you online, your website, your at, everything? Yeah, everything is Autumn Brion, my name, A-U-T-U-M-N-B-R-E-O-N. AutumnBrion.com is my website, mm -hmm. and my Instagram and TikTok are Autumn Brion. Come on now. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Keys of the Culture Podcast. To so follow us at Keys of the Culture Podcast on all platforms. If you want to follow me, because you like me, at I am my Isha. Until next time, we'll see you soon.